Welcome to the Green Green Grassroots of Football with me, Andy Glover. And me, Mark Grinter. Um, well, for this uh, episode, uh, Ben is not with us. So, hi Ben, wherever you are. I hope you're listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. And before we go further, I would just like to thank our sponsor, Rachel's Bookkeeping, for all of your bookkeeping needs. Um, as usual, I'll begin with a quote, Mark. Mm-hmm. And um, this one, oh, it's, this is a long <laughs> one. It's a man's game all of a sudden, again. That was Graham Seavers. Yeah. That's the quote. Um, that was on Sky Sports, uh, I think it was either late last year or this year. And to be fair, funnily enough, not long after that, Sky Sports said, thank you, Mr. Soonis, for your services and goodbye. Um, he was, if you recall, he was actually sat next to, was it Kim Carney at the time? I, yeah, I don't know. He was actually sat on a panel with an ex-England international when he said that. Um, he backtracked the following day. He said he still stood by his remark, but he was talking about the two matches he'd watched. But um, yes. So anyway, so in case you haven't sort of read the title or a little bit a little crazy about this, this is this podcast is talking about the, the challenges that, that women face uh, currently in, in sport, in football. And we're going to sort of kind of link it into how that can affect our girls as they progress into football and what it can mean for them. Um, start with a bit of history. So after being massively popular during World War One, when obviously all the men were fighting, I mean, there were huge leagues. In 1921, the FA implemented a countrywide ban on women's football. And the FA didn't lift the ban until 1971 after pressure from UEFA. And just one year before that ban, back in 1920, 53,000 fans watched Dick Kerr's ladies and St. Helens ladies play at Goodison Park on Boxing Day. I mean, that's huge. Uh, it wasn't until 2009 that the FA introduced central contracts, meaning that women were finally able to make a career out of the sport. Um, and in England, there was not a professional female football league until 2018. Um, the Women's World Cup we've just had, it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, this year. yeah August last year. Last year, now, August, 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 Sorry, yeah. this is 2024. Woo! Um, the Women's World Cup had record attendances, massive global audiences, and teams breaking new ground. But it was also marred by incidents and a backdrop of discussion and dispute across nations over equal pay, bonuses, and other financial support. There was the Louis Rubiala's infamous kiss on Spain's Jennifer Moso, um, Nike's decision not to make replica England goalkeeper shirts, which have since sold out twice after Mary Earps shamed them both, sorry, shamed them with both her performance and her campaign. In fact, they sold out, I think, quite literally in matters of minutes oh, both yeah. times, didn't they? Yeah. They still say they did short runs, but it, it still absolutely showed out in minutes. Um, and countries like Jamaica had to crowdfund to physically get to the World Cup um, for like accommodation, travel, just to get there. That's the sort of support that they were getting from their own FAs. And they went on to knock out Brazil. Um, UN women have called on FIFA to go further and equalise prize money by the next World Cup and close the gap from the prize fund, which was 86 million for the women's team, but 344 million for the men's team at Qatar in 2022. 
And then, of course, we've got our Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and Prince William, who's the uh, President of the Football Association. When England women reached the World Cup final, they were both absent. Now, the impact of the climate was given as the excuse. They'd have been there for the men. But, yeah, that's it. If, if, if the men's team had reached the World Cup final, you know... One of them would have been. Well, one William, or both. William, would William have certainly would have been there. Absolutely. The FA, yeah. So, you know, yeah. This is it. Um, there are obvious areas where women footballers have made advances, um, and maternity rights and equal pay are two of those. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back here anyway. We'll, we'll look at some of these things. But yeah, I mean, the Women's World Cup was a huge thing, wasn't it? That was an amazing thing, and it's growing and growing and. But like you were saying, those figures, it's a sport. The women, certainly in England, is 40 years, 50 years old in 1971. Mm. So it's a long way behind. But in the sense of investment in people being involved, a lot of women, unfortunately, down to men, women and girls, you know, even in playgrounds today. You hear the boys having a go at the girls. Well, no, boys play football, girls do so. Well, we will come to that later. So, yes, absolutely. We will um, come to that. But the Women's World Cup was huge. It was, it got people involved, both boys, girls, men and women, watching it. Um, and, you know, it was generally a positive thing. Unfortunately, there were still a few things which weren't correct. Um, but I think where we could have been if if the FA in 1921 hadn't banned women's oh, football. And you know, they, like I said, 50,000 people yeah, turned up to Goodison Park on Boxing Day to watch the you know a, a, a ladies' match. And it and, and by all accounts, when you read about it, these these weren't sort of shrinking violets passing the ball. There were oh. players in in Dick Kerr's ladies' teams who were smashing the opposition anywhere they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, but. And, it's a game of it, and I've it, seen players on our pitches I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some wild girls out here try and emulate them even yeah. if they didn't know they were and doing it when you think about it logically it's a you know a football played on a bit of grass with a round ball hmm. so what gives one sex the right to yeah you're not playing that I mean it's ridiculous it, you know, in today's world, it's ridiculous. You'd think it was ridiculous 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years I mean, I yeah, it, it's, get your head around it. But there was still, even in today's world, like I said, unfortunately. And unfortunately, you said we're both males in our 50s. Probably the majority of people in our position, again, without stereotyping. No, I, no, I agree with you on this. Yeah. Are going to say, no, it's what men do. I mean, to put it in a political context, you go back to the 1920s, you know, I mean, that was oh, 10 years, was it, after? Or 10 years, well, around the time of universal suffrage, but, you know, you had, that was around the time that women were just, just and this is the upper class women, which were trying to get the vote. This wasn't everybody. This was just trying to get votes and all that sort of thing. Uh, it was only the war that kind of gave them the breakout, but... I can, I can see why the FA did it because it was still like women uh, to, to, to paraphrase Harry Enfield women know your place yeah uh, you've I seen mean, those uh, sketches but you know and, and and I think and I think the problem is now and this is where this is going to be the discussion that this podcast part of the discussion this pod is that 
there's still that attitude amongst swathes of the society that women and girls are facing. And this is the, the problem that our players, I think, are going to come up against. And I, without naming people, I, I know people in my own family who, who look at women's football and just think it's a joke, laugh yeah. at it, and they say, well, they, they, you put them against the men's team. Uh, that isn't the point. That's, no, and they, they, they didn't get it. I mean, they, I mean I, the amount of times I've put up, unfortunately, within this building, um, well, if you put the England Lionesses team up against um, any under-18 division academy team, they'd get stuffed 6-0. And to put that in context, listeners, we're, we're in Summed Up Pavilion recording tonight, yes. But yes, yeah. no, you're right. I mean, you, you do hear that. And I mean, the, the good thing about here is that because we've got ourselves, we've got Red Falcon, hi again, Ben. Um, we, we, there's a lot of girls' teams here. But that doesn't detract from the fact that you're absolutely right. That you'll hear that attitude prevailing around people. Yeah, I mean, here, I mean, I'm not with word, but certainly within Fries, there is now just almost just as many girls and women's teams as there is men's team and boys' team. So, but there is, as I said, and attitudes are changing. Bit by bit. They are, but, but as we said in the previous pod, like seven years ago, was it? We had one girls team. Yeah. So although it's rapidly expanded, it's not, I don't, perhaps it hasn't give attitudes time to go, adapt, yeah. keep, to keep up with it sort of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. And, but, so this is the problem that our girls will face, if especially the older ones now. Some of them are, are under 15s, are, are sort of almost sort of, they're two years away, say, from playing in yeah. women's football. And they're going to be facing this this type of attitude. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we've probably got Kelsey involved tonight. But the women's team that we've said, the, the amount of problems and issues they've had within the setup here as well, there have been issues. And I'm not going to lie. Do you want to elucidate on it without naming? Without, without naming names, without naming things. One of the issues that we've had with the girls' team is goalkeepers' kit. Mm. We generally have yellow kits. Yes, for the goalkeepers. Yes, the goalkeeper. that's across boys and girls. For female goalkeepers, a yellow kit could have its own issues. Yes, exactly. During and the request was that they uh, we um, went for green kit. Yes, and there was it took them a lot to get that sorted because yes. there we, is a monthly issue for those not not quite understanding where we're going with this. There is a monthly issue for the female. And, and, and yellow, the, yellow yeah. um, shorts can can uh, again, highlight that. But again, I think there's even the England kit, the the white shorts. So they they changed to blue for the for the ladies. Yes, they have. Um, but we had that issue here, and I don't think it was necessarily it wasn't deliberate. Yeah, it wasn't it malicious. Wasn't it was. It was. It, yeah, it just wasn't understood. And there's things like that again where. The girls and requests for pitches and training that to be closer to the changing rooms. Mm. I mean, I think with the shorts, we'll come back to that. I think with the shorts, I think that's just an education piece because, I mean, I've, but I've it, got little... daughters, I've got granddaughters, but I wouldn't have instantly thought of that until no. somebody highlighted it. I straight away, but for me, straight away, I went, "You're right." Yeah. Whereas I think for others, there was a bit of pushback. But yeah, sorry, but coming back to you. Yeah, and and. But uh, yeah, I was the same. I went, with, I went with the yeah, the yellow and I thought, no, it's fine because I've been involved with the girls' side now for three, four, five years, and I'm still learning. Yes, that, and you know, but 
there is that fever. Like I said, like I said, when they're training and stuff, certainly with the girls at a younger age, things will happen. Mm. Unexpected, or they're not, you know, what's going on, you know, that could happen. They need to get there quicker to a changing room. And if here, or even, even just a toilet, we yeah. know the boys yeah. just go by the side of the pitch or just around the tree, yeah, just for a quick week, yeah. Whereas the girls, it is different. And so, but we sometimes have our, you can see our girls on a Saturday morning, they are three, four, five hundred meters away from the facilities. Mm. That is something because there are these other set training areas, yes, and that's it. And we've got sometimes you've got boys who are stuffed closer, and this is where we train. Okay, we've always trained here, yeah. So we're training here, and yes, but you do not understand the physiological yeah. issues yeah. That some of these players are facing. Yeah, but we've always trained here, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and then we've had issues, as I said, where boys will evade into space. I mean, again, there's one our women's team, and they train close to uh, a team and um, they put the, the team that they were training close to put the goals almost 20 10 yards 5 yards away from where the women were training so any loose shots that were being were being directly hit on mm. and stuff I mean that's just rude on if it was a boys team but again it's intimi- it's, it came across as intimidating it is that's intimidating yes um, and I would argue that's deliberate yeah. So not, not not just we're using this pitch. It's like I think that's oh, there's some women over there. Let's go and show us how. Let's go and show them how hard we are. Yeah. How how yeah. um how big our goal our goals are. If yeah. you know what I'm saying. And how hard our shots are. For yes. You. And that was intimidating. And that whether consciously or unconsciously, I'm sure you know it was involved. And that that happens. So there are issues and there are things that go on and we are learning as a club here definitely learning um, I still think there is more we can do as a club I think certainly with the women um, that needs a lot more support and benefit I mean it's fantastic as a club or Kelsey who runs it does and I the team have bonded you know there's 40 of them they're doing really well looking to hopefully go 11 aside again I mean, they've already created at least two sides within that group, haven't yeah. they? The over, the over 35s and, again, and, the, and the casuals team. And again, with the, I mean, we're looking into it, but with the women's thing, with the FA, uh, we are literally I don't know, 100, 200 yards inside Somerset. Hmm. Um, so we have to play Somerset FA. And it's on a Sunday afternoon, the women play. Sunday at the time. But in Somerset effort, you look at where the teams are from where we are, the majority, 45 minutes to an hour away, would be generous. There are going to be some that are even further. So you think that we've got women playing um, that will be playing, well, having their kids on a Sunday morning play maybe, or, you know, so, on mums. Mm. So to tell them, like, we've got to play an hour and a half game it's going to take you an hour to get a minimum, maybe two, and the same on the way back. So you're looking at about you know five, six hours of your Sunday. Well, plus changing warm yeah. up beforehand, yeah, and changing every, afterwards. Yeah. Sometimes it, sometimes opposition will say come in afterwards, afterwards and be social. So seven yeah. or eight hours potentially. So that's your Sunday from twelve o'clock till six, seven o'clock at night. God. Um, 
But and in Bristol, which is mainly in the Gloucester League, there's like the majority of the teams. The furthest that they would have to play away, which would only be once, is an hour. Mm. The majority are within 20 to 30 minutes. Can we get in there? We are still fighting now. And no, I've sent another email off today. I don't think we'll be because we're Somerset. We're a Somerset FA club, and I just don't think it'll happen. I don't. I. I, I don't think it'll happen. Um, and so that the women have said, well, we can't do Somerset FA. Yeah, we just can't do it. And I get totally where they're coming from. Um, so does the FA? I. I, I don't know. I, I, I. You know. I. I appreciate. And counties is where it is, where you draw the lines and stuff like that. And maybe we're just unfortunate of within our positioning. Mm. But again, that is another barrier for this feet club. I mean, the Red Falcons, who we have here as well, all their teams play here, apart from their women, who play in Almondsbury. Yeah, because they made that decision they're going to play in the Gloucester, but it's easy for them. And so. We, and not just that, even even our team, I guarantee you, they all, they all live in Canesham. A lot yeah. of them will live in Bristol. Yeah, yeah. in and around, and they, they've said it's mainly easier for them to be over there anyway. So, again, which when we have our next managers meeting and stuff, potentially, we've got to discuss, well, do the women play away from Somerdale here? Mm. So, we, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of how that works with the FA with us being, I don't know how I'd love to speak to Ben next time I'm speaking how they get around it with their women being I'm on. Sure, I'm sure you can because yeah. we've, we've played, I know it's still in Somerset, but we have played elsewhere here. We know lots of teams who play yeah. at many other pitches. Admittedly, that's Hannah Minor or even Youth League where they've got a lot of pitches and it's all within a county rather than a... Um, rather than a going uh, by sorry, the sorry it's all within the, in the county rather than actual, the actual um, affiliated county. Yeah. But you know, even someone like um, even someone like Bitten, I'm sure, I'm sure I've played Bitten in the past where they've hired Lansdowne pitches, yeah. which is in Bath, and then you've played them again, and they're playing in Bitten, which is South Gloucester, which is Gloucestershire. Yeah. So you know, that, I know that's youth football, but it's still within counties. Uh, so I don't, unfortunately, again, very new to it, but getting the support. Or I mean, I've been told by. <coughs> Certainly, the Gloucestershire FA when I went to see them in their offices, I've had a quick chat. Somerset want us to stay in Somerset, so it was well. Of course they do, but when I spoke to Gloucestershire, they must they, understand they, all, our issues. All, all I get with Gloucestershire at the moment is put it on um, up their bottom of their thing and put an application thing in, which I've done, and but I'm not getting anything back. So, um, but that's something we're, we're facing. But again, here I said the toilet issues. Um, so it's a long even at grassroots at our level I think when you look at the higher levels the, the lionesses down they, they they still get abuse and still get you know the men's game's better it's quicker harder so there's still an awful long way to go it's, it's come a long way um, and then you've got the joys obviously with social media and that'll put people off mm. I've seen comments on how some females look, weigh, blah, blah, and all from yeah. idiot blokes on social media. Well, yeah. I mean, there are areas where um, women football have made advances. Um, and <laughs> maternity rights and equal pay. I mean, we're talking uh, at the higher level here, equal pay, 
and maternity rights um, are two of those because players have typically been expected to choose between being a mother or being a professional sports career and that was uh, there was research done by Stacey Pope from the University of Durham in, in the UK um, and it wasn't until January of 2021 that FIFA introduced mandatory maternity rules for federations which gave players full pay during pregnancy and at least 14 weeks leave. So now during maternity, they must be given at least two thirds of their salary. And um, in a landmark case, Iceland's former cam- uh, captain, Sara Björk Gunnar's daughter, became the first player to win a claim under the FIFA maternity regulations after her former club, Leon, failed to pay her full salary during pregnancy. So there are advances being made and obviously again we go back to our women's team you, many of them as you say turn up with their children they do and you know, or, or, or you know and some some one or two of them either have very recently been pregnant or perhaps are pregnant yeah. I don't, you know but and again well I said I don't know enough about the employment laws and stuff but you'd certainly think in England that they're entitled to the same maternity rights that every other female is entitled to within the yeah I mean if it's a, if it's a con- if, it, if you're in full, if you're employed as a contract I think the problem was like I said it, it was only 20 I think it was 2019 I think I said it was only 2019 mm. that it was brought in as central contracts and professional and league just, and, I mean it's scandalous really when, when you when you think about it logically it's it's scandalous and mm. I mean it said it's going the right way um, and hopefully it was to carry on going in that way but yeah, time will tell. Time will tell, absolutely. Um, so, moving on, and the vast majority of, of women who work in football um, in England have experienced discrimination. Um, and the numbers continue to excrete, uh, increase, sorry, uh, that data has actually shown. Uh, a survey conducted by the group Women in Football found that 82% of its members reported some form of discrimination, whether that's sexism, sexual harassment, or just derogatory comments on ability. And that was up from 66% in 2020. So, um, and of those, only 23% said they felt they could report it. Yeah. Um, And I would say that 82% is probably nearer 100. And apparently, a proportion of those assaults Sorry, a proportion of these assaults that occur at football matches is not yet clear, but a report from November of last year by the football sorry not November of last year November of twenty two sorry I keep forgetting yeah. we're, keep forgetting we're now twenty four apologies listeners um, by the Football Supporters Association entitled Women at the Match reveals thirty four percent of respondents had heard sexist comments at a game which again was up from twenty three percent in twenty fourteen. And then 24% had heard sexist chants, whilst 44% had been told they know a lot for a girl or a woman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, again, it's it's something you face a lot and you hear a lot. And again, I want to, even down here, you know, I don't, you don't hear it openly because we, we're in here, we're in with our girls, we're in wearing our kit, but you still, I think more so perhaps when the opposition adult teams perhaps come in. 
you you hear I I hear sometimes conversations around women's football, especially on the telly. Yeah, you know, not so much about our girls in their kit, but you know, you will come in and England's on telly. Oh, they're biting me showing sort of Chelsea Arsenal women, and you'll hear those comments. Yeah. No, I said unfortunately it happens all the time. I think with football and the the men's game at this level and stuff, it was always. I mean, my dad and people the football on the Saturday and what they did on the cricket on the sun in the summer was their escape from work mm. and their escape from the lady folks yes football was their escape that was and that was their being a, and that attitude and in some ways they think well that's been taken away from them you know they've got the wives now come into the football and stuff like that and I think that attitude, that is where that, nobody would ever admit that, I don't think now. But I think that's where a lot of them are. Well, because I think a lot of them psychologically don't necessarily realise that's what's happened. They just just have an issue. They don't know why they've got the issue, but they have an issue. And like you said, that's that's probably the underlying reason. They just don't, I think they're probably just not self-aware enough to realise. That that's, yeah. And so clubs like here, I mean, like this is the new, but so I, I, you would know more when it was in the old building. Mm. How many women were there on a weekend? Not playing. Not not playing mm. in the clubs. So, so with the maybe not so much with the youths because there would be more mums. Yeah. But I don't know if you were around when the men were playing on the Saturday afternoon. More if you ever saw anything. How many women are in those clubs? Very few. Very few. Yeah, a couple of girlfriends. You know, younger players' girlfriends or older players' wives. Uh, I mean, we were we were lucky in the old club in that we had a thriving hockey team and a thriving netball team back then, and so it was very much Mick. But of course, that was their sports. Yeah, you know. So and we, it was very much a, a good mix, but they kept within their lanes. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. the men weren't threatened. Because, oh, that's okay, women are here, but they're here because they're... And they got on really well. They had nights together, you know, fundraising nights. Fires hockey, fires netball, fires football. But the women were doing women things. Yeah. The men were doing the football, you know. And, so, yeah, yeah there, was no, there weren't those issues there. It wasn't like the women were trying to impose on the, on the football as such. I mean, and again, from here, from this club, which we would say... And there's a, there's a training area. Hmm. Um, a certain training area where only the men's first team can train. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a real point of contention right. for a lot a lot of people. Even I mean, I'll, I'll I'll come away slightly from our discussion here and just say you know we run our under sixteen boys and yes it's boys rather than the girls but we're not supposed to train there. No. And we're 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 the closest we're one of the closest teams to being there. Yeah. But, you know. And, from the female for the women and again it's been an argument that I've had from them well why can't we train there totally the agree. women's first team why do they get priority why because our women's team are having to train elsewhere away yeah. from here because they're not allowed to use that area it's only for the men's first team oh I totally agree why can't anyone train there personally I mean my, my view is we, you know, we all pay the same amount of money to hire this place yeah, you know why? Uh, why can't anyone train so there? That is, I mean, I, I, again, I, nobody can. Well, nobody's given me a, a decent answer, really. I think I know the reason. That's legacy. I mean, 
that's the legacy, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, a certain entitlement through legacy. And whether that was part of a handover, they, they get a certain priority, I don't know, or they just assume priority. But you're right. We've got a women's first team, yeah. adult first team. So why are they not there? And again, it's not only our women's first team, it's Red Falcons women's team aren't allowed to train there. No. Um, I think we've got a Red Falcons men's team. I think they might be allowed. And if not, I think that has cool because that again you need Ben here to. Yeah. And whether Ben would want to comment, I don't know. I'm not Come on, 100, Go I'm, on Ben. Put I'm some not, comments. Put I'm the comments not, in the. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. We'll I, get water. We'll get Ben to listen to this and then put a comment in, yeah. in the uh, on uh, on, on Apple Podcasts. Put a little comment about this. Don't know the hundred the ins and outs, but. And I've only heard bits and bobs of stories, but I do. I think there is one Red Falcons team that is allowed to train there, and it's not the women's team. No. But again, that is for Ben to comment on. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of discrimination, another uh, women in sporting survey in 2022 found that 43% of teenage girls in the UK who had previously considered themselves sporty and participated in sport felt a disconnect after the age of 11 and over 60 percent of these girls worried about the lack of confidence or being judged which for a club like ours where we've got girls up to under 15 now yeah. is worrying you know? yeah i mean how do we how do we combat that you know i mean and again hopefully it's what surprised me here and the expansion which has been amazing is our under 15s team They've only ever stayed as one team, but they've grown in them and they've yeah. kept going. That's been... Cause they, as our first team, they were a team that struggled. They've improved bit by bit, but they've A, kept going. Yeah. And have expanded a little bit. So... Well, they've but, gone up through the five to seven to nine yeah. to 11 and they've never... They've always increased numbers yeah. to, to match. They've yeah, not so had to struggle in terms of so, haven't got enough players. So they, they've been... Our under-13s this season have gone to two teams because mm-hmm. um, this was the year again you were thinking oh is it gonna um, and then said the under 12s fair shout to them they've had things that they go on but they're, they're still they're still going and, and I've, I've got numbers good yeah. numbers again now yeah um, the under 11s are two and the under 10s are two so I do the under 10s and we've now got two age groups we've got about 30 girls in my mind, I am still probably planning that by the time we get to 13s, 14s, we might be down to one. Yeah. I mean, it might have, you know, because 11 aside, as we've seen with the under 16 boys, you need at least 16, really. 15, yeah, yeah, 15 or 16 is the right sort of sort number, of really, because you always got a player or two missing normally. And if you all turn up, well, yes, you can, you can live with 16. At, yeah, it's at that hard, push, but yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it's hard. But you can live with sixteen players, yeah. and it's rare that you all turn up. Yeah, yeah. So that would mean that we can't lose any. We might be able to. Yeah, you you are either going to have a, a, an under thirteen situation where suddenly you've got thirty players and you can do that, or you're going to go with what you've got and find one or two drift away, and you go right, perfect numbers for yeah, eleven yeah. aside. So and that's, that's the two options, isn't it? It's going to happen. At the moment, we'd be looking at two teams, but we'd be on the edge, right yeah. on the edge. Yes. The issue we'd have is if we get, say, 24-25. What do you do there? That in-between I mean, that, that in point is hard, that is, isn't it? Because 
if you went 12 and 13 is not enough for two teams. No, I don't. it's not. No, it definitely isn't. But it's probably 10 too many. Well, it's certainly seven or eight too many that you could say. So, that's, so, and it, again, it, there's this natural, and again, for females, it is proven at the moment. And I think the government, the sports, when they do come to that secondary, early secondary years, the teenage years, mm. there is a drop off there. So there's this body conscious thing. And again, we'd this go is back. The thing about being judged about that, yeah. And so they said that the the thirteens have been lucky to increase. Oh, it's been amazing. But, but but like I said, for you, like I said, you might find that it it's, it goes the other way. Yeah. And that that judgment it does affect players. And again, as a club, we will bucking the trend. Really, if you look at the Bristol Girls League, it starts off. I think with your under eights, there's two leagues. There might be three. I think it's two. Then with the under nines, it's three. The under tens, we've got three leagues now. I think the under elevens are four leagues. Under twelves is three. Under thirteens is three. I think under fourteens is two. But by the time you get to under fifteen, sixteen, it's down to one league. Yes. Which kind of mirrors the boys. You know, you look at the Hannah Minor under. Eights and the nines, you're looking at eight divisions in some time. I, mean, I know it's five aside and it's sometimes it's two teams. You're looking at eight divisions. Whereas under 16s now, we've got four divisions. No, we've got five. Five. Five, five. which is very good. I, I've known in the past down to three divisions, but it, ten, it tends to drop away as yeah, you get I, older. So. But that they said to have one, that is a big, that is, that is teetering on the edge sort of thing. Yeah, I it? mean, and they've had all sorts of issues. I know. I think the way they've had to do it, because I think the under 15s, there was two leagues mm. and they've had to go down to one league. Um, but in the what was in the A division, I think there was three teams that were quite a long way ahead of the rest. Yeah. Um, and so the A division, is, and it was suddenly, and so these B division teams are now having to play these A divisions. And they know they're going to turn up and lose 10 0. Mm. And no matter what's happened, a lot of the clubs are saying don't, don't want to play it but it also gets to the age when they're getting older they don't want to get thrashed no you don't do you yeah um, so that that's difficult though isn't it you get into one division that yeah. is difficult because you are going to have these discussions it's not the league's fault in that sense no it's, it's definitely not the league's fault what do what, they do what can they do unless they can I know it's difficult but unless they're doing things such as okay we know that you three four teams are strong you're going to play each other four times but you're going to play all the other teams once or something like that you yeah, know it, something like it, that yeah. you know which makes, I know which, yeah. which would be an absolute nightmare to arrange sort out but would perhaps say look you don't cancel you play them all once that's yeah. it but it gives everyone then enough games or so I don't know it, uh, however it, how it, they do it that would perhaps I, I, be I a way to do it I know it caused the league and it caused backlash and it caused and I get and you can see it from every angle and that's again it's going back to where we are within say for flies within the Somerset with being with the women's team mm. they've I've spoken to Somerset and to be fair they have where we would join in you've got the north and the summer and south League. So we wouldn't have to play, say, Minehead, which is almost a two and a half hour drive, which is ridiculous. But where we are, even like Western, is still potentially a good hour drive away. Yeah. And that's local. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, we, we, 
but I how so that's still so I mean for us I don't, how often have we played in the boys how often with Hutton we've played once on a friendly I think yes I mean I think I think for some some of those situations you've got Priory you've got Banwell you've got but the, yeah. those sort of teams I think you'll find they're doing it because they're realising their, their leagues aren't strong enough Yeah. so they're requesting to come in so now you've got Western Supermare in the Avon Youth League you know you've you've got um, Nelsie all those have come up because yeah. they've realised that the Woodspring League just aren't strong enough it's not like a deliberate thing about you're now going to play miles away um, and the same, I think the same happened to the Bath and the Bath League uh, Missile Norton League where the best teams there, the best two teams there, went off to play in the Wiltshire Leagues and it kind of left them with nothing. So a few of them have come over as well. So it's not, it wasn't a deliberate thing about distance. That was just because those leagues kind of yeah. fell apart a bit. But it, it said it just makes it mm. more difficult. It's certainly for the women. Yes. Um, so, but that's that's where it has to develop. I mean, and I think it will. I think you'll, hopefully you will find more and more teams have they? Uh, but I mean, again, for the women's, I mean, I think from, that you almost have a vagueness of where the club, I know it makes it difficult more for the FA. Yeah. Um, but Whitchurch, where you, I, I can, just like I said, I can never work out how Whitchurch is Gloucestershire and where Somerset, when I think you go in. It's where they play, isn't it? It's slightly. It's where they play. Because when, uh, going back 30 years when I first started, they, where they used to play, they were within Somerset. Now they they're not they're now playing their matches within Gloucester. Yeah. So it's just a matter because they 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 don't have a, a home as it were, in in the sense that we've got this place yeah. or warmly have got their yeah, home please. or Bitten have got their they obviously I mean they they play at South Bristol Sports or yeah. the old Imperial which is where Imperial play yeah. but you know in that sense um, but no going back thirty years they they were up sort of Kingshead Lane way oh, that's yeah. where they used to play up there. On the pitches off to off the, off the up that way, so they were in Somerset, you know. Um, so, um, here's an here's a here's an interesting one. A study by Messner, Duncan, and Jensen called "Separating the Men from the Girls." Um, now, this is talking about uh, women's basketball in America. Oh. All right, but so, but it is still relevant. Because you hear this all the time. I think even even you and I are guilty of this. In fact, I know I'm guilty. I've even done it tonight. In women's basketball, gender was constantly marked, both verbally and through the use of graphics. We were continually reminded that we were watching the Women's Final Four, the NCAA Women's National Championship game, and that those were some of the best women's college basketball teams, that coach Pat Summit is a legend in women's basketball, and that this NCAA women's semi-final is brought to you by, and so on and so forth. So, why should that happen? It's an issue. It absolutely well, is an issue. Um, and that, that's, that's... I mean, um, again, study. the logic is, if you're going to do it for the women's, you have to say the men's. This is yes. the men's. Yes, you, we've got the, we've got the Premier League. It's the men's. We've got the championship. Premier, yeah. It's not the men's Premier League, but no. we've got the women's Super League. Yeah, so it's called yeah. the WSL. SL, yeah, you don't have whereas the the English Football League is the EFL. Yeah, and it's the women's champion. Yeah, and it's and I mean, I, even, I'm guilty of it tonight. But even you look at the the, the the youth football around here, 
Avon Youth League, Hallam Minor League, League, Bristol Girls League. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So you're right. It's it. It straight away separates the gender or the identity or the sexuality, whichever, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm sorry if I phrased it wrong there, but it's separating them out. So and so anybody who wants to make derogatory or discriminatory or just make it discriminatory in any way, straight away has got it there. Yeah. Ah, that's the women's side. That must be for women only. That's yeah. for them. Must be some way not as good. Yeah. Because you've got the... Pre- in football, in main football, you've got the Premier League. Yeah. And then you've got the Women's League. The Women's Super League, yeah. And it's, it's super, but it's the Women's, women's. League. It's not so, the yeah. Premier League. And it has to be, yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think you There is a specific use of language. So it should be Super League. Super League, yep. Yeah. Or, or play, it's the Men's play, Premier, Premier League, League and the Women's Super, super League. Super League, yeah. Yes. And, yeah, little things like that. And I think you... And it was always known as the Women's Euros. Mm-hmm. The Women's World Cup. The Women's World Cup, absolutely. As opposed to, I don't. Did did they call it the Men's World? They they always call it the World Cup. I think there was a bit. They did for a little bit as political correctness, as I think it got bit. Certainly the BBC for a bit, Um, but I think again they just got dropped. (laughs) Um, But you. The use of language is very, very. Oh, and it's powerful. It's it's very important because it divides and it it makes that just that distinctive mark that. You are, and because women have always been seen through a certain lens within footballers, you're not as good. Then straight away, the women's World Cup, well, it's not as good because, and the women's Super League, well, it's not as good because yeah. women are not. As good. So by using that language, it's straight. And even like I said, the, talking about the oh, this this this, Pat, this basketball coach Pat Summit is one of the best women's. Ba- um, Sorry, Pat Summit is a legend in women's basketball. Yeah, that's saying that she can't. It's not just a legend in basketball, coach. You know, you know what I'm saying. So I mean, again, uh, it's been a thing that Emma Hayes, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, though there's always been this rumor, and she's never. I mean, I hope whether she's ever applied. I don't obviously don't know and stuff. That uh, is Emma Hayes. I think there's the old championship team. I think even Bristol City were rumored to be interested. Well, well. It was a she was a candidate or something was going on. Mm. Um, whether that was true or not, it might just be press talk. Any case, because Emma Hames is obviously a very successful manager for Chelsea Women. Um, and again, you say Chelsea Women. Chelsea Women. You yes. don't say Chelsea. You know. We don't say Chelsea men. men. No. We say Chelsea, Chelsea Women. Women. So, but, so <laughs> it's you know, would she be a success in the I don't, in the men's game? You have no reason to think why she wouldn't be mm. um, and it'd be I think I do I think it would be the attitude of the players just yes. like you, you hear about that when non-playing managers go in and then afterwards you hear that players with experience just wouldn't listen to them yeah. and you've heard those stories where you know I, I, I can't think offhand, but I know there have been managers who've gone into clubs um for instance, was it Graham Potter at the Chelsea and some of the senior players just took no notice of him? Yeah. Because it's like, what have you done? Where have you been? We've we've done we're this. We're, yeah. we're experienced. So and I think and that, I, that's men. So yeah. I can just imagine what it'd be like for someone like Emma Hayes going into like a, a, a high level. Imagine going to a Premier League team, a high level Premier League team. What some of the players yeah. might might do on the face of it, all smiles for the photographs, and then behind closed doors on the training ground, make life as awkward and stuff as possible. Yeah. Like. 
So attitudes like that would be a long, long way away. I mean, again, it's they are breaking. It is breaking new grounds. I mean, you had the first female ref of a Premier League game over the Christmas period at Fulham. I yep. think it was Fulham. She yes, that. and we'll come back to that. Um, but it's a long. Yeah, unfortunately, there is still a long, long way to go. Yeah. And language, as we said, is a very, very important. And even unbiased, like you said, and it's I'm, again, I don't know the facts, but you would you just sit. I'm assuming there's women involved in the naming of the women's super league. In our case, the Bristol girls. Yeah. I doubt it. I I'm only wrong, but I doubt it. Yeah, I mean. Maybe the Bristol Girls League, but even the Bristol Girls League, I, I bet it wasn't. I bet it was set by men. I bet the Women's Super League was created by men. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, because behind the scenes, these are the people at the FA. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah, it's difficult, and it's it's said it's still it's still such a long, long way to go, and anybody who thinks there's is not is deluded. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good point here to take a break. Um. Mark and I will return to this subject in two weeks' time, where we'll follow on with this and we'll discuss a bit more inequality in sport for women, and we'll also look at gender inequality. We'll also look at some uh, high-profile celebrities who've, let's say, put their foot in it, <laughs> and we'll end with um, possibly some successes as well. But for now, Mark, thank you very much. Thank you, Andy. Good and Good listeners, week. thank you. And yeah, listen out in two weeks' time for, for part two of this one. For now, goodbye. If you like this podcast, then please email us your questions, comments, random thoughts, anything you want to share with us at greengreengrassroots at gmail.com you can contact Mark and Andy through X at Fry Club JFC or Ben at Red Falcon JFC on Facebook via Fry Club Junior FC or Red Falcon Sport. The Fry Club JFC website is www.fryclubjfc.go.uk and the Red Falcon Insta page is at Red Falcon JFC. You could also type out a fantastic review on Apple Podcasts or give us five stars on Spotify. You've been listening to a We Haven't Got a Clue What We're Doing production produced and edited by Andy Glover.